against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. 
You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Victor Christian Fellowship. If you're watching online, we want to say hello and welcome to you. It's so good to have you here today. You're in a great place, you're in a good place, and you're in God's place. And Father, we just give you thanks and praise. You are an amazing Father. You are a good Lord. And you are a wonderful Holy Spirit. And we give you thanks and praise for your presence here this morning. And we honor you in all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Let's stand up. We're going to sing a new song. We're going to put our praise on. We're going to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Are you ready? Come on, everybody, get your praise on. Come on, everybody, get your praise on. Come on, everybody, get your praise on. Put your hands together. Let your feet ascending. Until the shout. There's a king in the house. your praise on. Come on, everybody, get your praise on. Come on, everybody, 
are worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. From you are all things. To you are all things. You deserve the glory. Let's sing, you are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. Yes, He's worthy. For from You are all things. And to You are all things. You deserve the glory.
believe that the glory of the Lord is in this house. And it's and he is among us. The Lord is among us. And the Bible said, whoever asks anything in my name shall receive it. Shall receive what he believes. And, and if we ask anything in the name of our Lord Jesus, we shall have what, whatsoever we ask. Because he is worthy of it all. He's a God of yesterday, a God of today, and a God of tomorrow. And I believe that whatever you ask in his name, you shall receive. Because he's a God who never fails. He's a God who never fails. And I, re- I, can, I can list a, a, a hundred, hundreds of testimonies say, declaring what the Lord has done for me. And if the Lord can do good things for one person, He can do it for you. So we believe that He is worthy of it all. Oh, He, he is, is worthy. worthy of it all. Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of honor. Oh, Lord, you are worthy to live for. You are worthy to follow. You are worthy to imitate. You are worthy, Lord Jesus. Everybody say his name. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. That's the sweetest name you know. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're so good and gracious. We love you. We praise you. You are in our midst. And Lord, we listen to what you have to say to us. Now is the time, and today is the day, to walk in the righteousness that I have made you to be. Walk in the right path. Avoid the darkness. Avoid the distraction. But follow me, and I will show you the way. I will order your steps, for I delight in your path. Hallelujah. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Aren't they amazing? Don't they do an amazing job? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Well, it is a good day. Amen. It might be rainy or cloudy outside, but 
God is here on the inside. And we can operate in his warmth and his goodness. Do you like speaking the word? It's a key to success. And God has given us the ability to speak his word. So we're going to make our confession in faith. Amen. About entering into God's rest. I'm so glad that God gave us rest. He said, if you're heavy laden with burdens, he said, come to me and I will give you rest. Let's make our confession. Jesus is our Lord and master. And we are always learning about him, his ways and his kingdom. We willingly and faithfully come to Jesus to find rest for our souls. The Lord's yoke is easy and his burden is light. We do his will because it is our delight. His gentleness and humility give us great peace and security. We choose to dwell in the shelter of the Most High, and we remain secure and at rest in the Almighty's shadow. He alone is our refuge, our fortress, our God in whom we trust. The Lord has rescued our life from death. He bountifully blesses us and is always good to us. Therefore, we rest in him. Because God's peace is with us and in us, we do not worry and we cast all our cares on him. We are confident in Christ and enter into his divine rest by faith. The Lord freely offers his rest to all of us and we receive it because we believe it. God's rest refreshes our souls. We are God's people, and there remains a Sabbath rest for us today. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and benefits. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Josiah. Glory to God. Josiah, you want to do announcements with me? <laughs> Do you? Come on, you came halfway over. Yeah. All right. You can help me out here. See, we got three pages. Yeah. And you see, Josiah's almost as tall as me. I told him I got to start wearing my cowboy boots to give me a little bit of height. <laughs> okay, I'll start our announcements. It's good to see each of you here today. It is November. And we are continuing pastor appreciation and collecting gifts and cards for Pastor Doug and Dr. Fiona to go on a vacation of all vacations next summer. And we have a container in the uh, cove for that. Today is the Ladies Book Club after service. So ladies, you're welcome to join us for that. And then, do you want to do this one? Uh, my mom, uh, Miss Melissa, and 
Lisa went all went to Guyana. So, yeah. And there's a commission club on Saturday, November 5th. Yes. So they left yesterday on the 5th. And if you'd like to give offerings towards that trip, you can mark it for commission club or um, does it go in that container for commission club too? Yes. Yes, so you can bring your change and put it in the uh, water container. Good. And we have more trips, I know. They're going to Kenya, and I'm sure you're going to Africa on the West Coast somewhere. I think somebody contacted you in India. We have lots of people contacting um, VCF with uh, invitations. We'll put it that way. Invitations. Okay, and then... um, do you want to do the Air Force? Air Force is Tuesday afternoon, this generation Air Force. Um, Tuesday, yeah, for middle schoolers. And it's Tuesday, one, tw- one, one twenty-three to 2.25 p.m. And it's, great, it's a great way to connect God with the middle schoolers. Oh, yeah. Josiah's going to be a middle schooler next year, so... He's all he's all ready for that, and then um, Tuesday evening we have Air Force, and that's ages 12 and up from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., and we have some of our young folks who are in kids' life soon ready to enter into Air Force. So we're super excited to welcome them into Air Force, and then and then. Wednesday night refreshing at 6.30 p.m., and you're going to get the fires. Oh, yeah! You're going to laugh a lot. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Woohoo! Fire and the Holy Ghost. Refreshing, laughter, the joy of the Lord, right? All right. And then Thursday afternoon, we have Bible Adventure, and that's for third, fourth, and fifth graders from Forge and Northside. They come here in the afternoons, and if you know anybody in that age group, invite them to come, and if you want to volunteer, you see Miss Chris Friendship, and then, do you want to do that one or that one? Okay, Tuesday also is when we go to the polls to vote, so we're voting for life, we're praying for righteousness to um, be uh, voted in, and to be established for, for in our in our counties, in our states, in our country, right? And then Josiah is going to end with the last announcement. So then we have a youth breakfast. It's on Saturday, uh, 12 years and up. Um, it's fr- it's free, and it's every second Saturday, 9 to 11. 9 to 11. And this time, thank you, Josiah, we're planning to have a campfire for breakfast. So come on out, and we'll enjoy the uh, campfire facilities outside for breakfast. Thank you, Josiah. God bless you. He did a fantastic job. That's what Pastor Nadine. Our our announcements are awesome. They keep getting better and better. Amen? Well, this past Thursday... In Bible Adventure, one of the kids gave their heart to Jesus. Amen? 
And uh, she wasn't sure, but uh, she made that decision, and we're so glad that another name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen? Amen. You know, I was saved at a young age, and I'm grateful that we have this opportunity. And uh, if you're not involved in uh, this generation or Bible adventure, please pray. Uh, we want all the schools to be opened uh, for us right here in Palmyra. Yes. Amen? Amen? And uh, so we need, we need laborers, we need volunteers, and, uh, but we need prayers too. Amen? Every, every work of God has to have a foundation of prayer. Yes. So um, if you aren't uh, actually involved, I mean, aren't physically involved, you can certainly be involved in prayer. Yes. And you can do that from wherever. Amen? Well, uh, Dr. Fiona and uh, Lisa and Melissa, they arrived in Guyana. Um, they left uh, yesterday at uh, 3 p.m. out of JFK, and uh, they arrived at the home about 1 a.m. because uh, they had uh, uh, an accident. They didn't have an accident, but there was an accident on the road in construction, so they sat in traffic in Guyana traffic for a couple hours, And but uh, they're there safe now, and... Uh, they're there doing uh, good work, and uh, so the home will be excited. Yes. And uh, the staff is glad to see Dr. Fiona back there, and yes. it's awesome. So thank you all for supporting. And I want to let you know that uh, Bishop Keegan's tent is taken care of. Yes. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. So, uh, yeah, you guys are awesome. And... Uh, Everyone, I just want to thank everyone who has uh, given towards that and given uh, in honoring us. We so appreciate it so very much. And uh, we are glad to be here doing what God's called us to do. Amen. Amen. And uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you know, anytime that you you have an opportunity, anytime that we gather, we have an opportunity to give. And, you know, giving is not something we do as a duty. We do it because we love God. Amen? Amen. And uh, there are times when uh, certain things come up that God would have us to give. And there are other times we just want to be a blessing. Amen? Amen. And, uh, of course, uh, your tithes and offerings, uh, they're important to God because uh, God receives them himself. The Bible says in Hebrews 7 how Jesus receives our tithes in heaven. And uh, he puts his personal blessing and guarantee on it. So anytime during the service today, you can give. If you have a check, make it out to VCF. If you need to use a card, we have that in the bookstore. Uh, and if you're watching online, uh, you can participate as well. Go to our website and you can give through a secure way there. And a lot of people take advantage of that. You know, in today's world, we have two congregations. We have our congregation that's here and we have an e-congregation. And uh, technology has made it easy for, uh, you know, our services to be watched and streamed. But, uh, and and that, that's good. But if you can, be here. Amen. Amen. And uh, it's good for the fellowship and the friendship and the relationship. Yes. That's important to God. So, Father, I give you thanks and praise that every giver and their gifts, Father, are extremely blessed by you. Thank you, Lord. That you give unto them good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, you cause men to give into their bosom. 
you enrich them in righteousness in everything. Lord, you cause your grace to abound to them that have all sufficiency in all things so that they can abound to every good work in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, kids and teachers, are you all ready? We're about to release you to your class. So kids, hallelujah. Kids life. Praise the Lord. So here are some uh, funny sayings that kids have said. What is the right age to get married? 23 is the best age because you know the person forever by then. Camille, age 10. Why does love happen between two particular people? Andrew, age 6, said, One of the people has freckles, and so he finds somebody else who has freckles too. Uh, May, age 9, said, No one is sure why it happens, but I heard it has something to do with how you smell. That's why perfume and deodorant are so important. And then there was a question, what are some surefire ways to make a person fall in love with you? Of course, these are answers from kids. Dell, age not six, said, tell them you own a whole, a whole bunch of candy stores. <laughs> Hallelujah. Manuel, age eight, said, yell out that you love them at the top of your lungs, and don't worry if their parents are right there. <laughs> Alonzo, age nine, said, Don't do things like have smelly green sneakers. You might get attention, but attention ain't the same as love. (laughs) Hallelujah. Bart, age nine, said, One way is to take a girl out to eat. Make sure it's something uh, that she likes to eat. French fries usually work for me. (laughs) Opinions about love. These are some opinions about love. Dave, age eight, said, Love will find you, even if you are trying to hide from it. I've been trying to hide from it since I was five, but the girls keep finding me. <laughs> and then finally, how, how important is love? Greg, age eight. Love is the most important thing in the world, but baseball is pretty good, too. Hallelujah. Were you guys ready for the word this morning? You know, often people are looking for something in life that will give them the advantage or will give them the edge or will propel them further than someone else has gone. And as believers in Christ Jesus, we have that edge. And that edge is the anointing of God. So today I want to talk to you about how the anointing makes the difference in your life. Say the anointing anointing. makes the difference. difference. How many has never heard that word anointing? You've never heard it. You know, we use it a lot in church circles, and uh, it can mean uh, a few different things. You know, there were 
uh, people that were anointed in the Bible. There were items of uh, sacrifice and worship that were anointed. Um, when Jacob had his dream in Genesis 28, he anointed the pillar, which later became part of a temple. And uh, he anointed that. Um, Moses anointed the priests. And the main people in the Bible who were anointed in the Old Testament were the prophet, the priest, and the king. And uh, they would be anointed by someone who was anointed. You know, anointing attracts anointing. And um, I want you to look at Exodus 30 for just a minute. And one thing that we need to do about the anointing is we need to value it. We need to appreciate it. We need to honor it. Okay? Because the anointing comes from the Holy Spirit, comes from God the Father. God is a spirit. And he gives it to us. And uh, in, in Exodus chapter 30, verse 22, uh, all the way down, I'm just going to highlight these things, but you can read it. Uh, the anointing oil that they used in worship and sacrifice required special ingredients and to be made a special way. And uh, some of the ingredients, they had 500 shekels of myrrh, 500 or 250 shekels of sweet-scented cinnamon. How many's ever smelled cinnamon? I've never smelled myrrh, but I think it's very aromatic. It has a very nice aroma. Um, 250 shekels of fragrant cane, 500 shekels of cinnamon blossom, a hen of olive oil. All right, uh, this is, everybody say it's holy. The oil they used to anoint the tabernacle and the items used in the sacrifice and the people that performed the service, it was holy. Say it's holy. Say the anointing is holy. All right, we have to understand that. If we're going to appreciate it, right, we have to understand that it's holy. All right, um, it's a perfume mixture made by a perfumer. How many like perfume? I mean, I, I like cologne or perfume, you know. How many like to smell good? Right? You know, sometimes I can't go to the perfume table because there's so many different scents right, right there. It's kind of overwhelming. But, you know, when, when you have perfume on you and you walk into a place, it kind of affects the atmosphere, doesn't it? Say, the anointing affects the atmosphere. Okay? So, he told Moses it had to be made by a perfumer, someone who specializes in mixing the right things with the right ingredients to to produce the good results. Right? You know, some things just don't mix well. Right? So, you got to have the right mixture. Uh, So, he told Moses, anoint the tent, the ark, the table, 
for showbread, all its utensils, the lampstand, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, the basin for cleansing and its base. And then he says, consecrate them. Say, the anointing is consecrating. And what that means is it sets apart or it sets aside for special use, right? If you put money into a retirement account, you're putting it away for a special use for when you retire. You're setting it aside, right? Because it has a special purpose. It has a special distinction, okay? He said, consecrate them that they may be most holy. And then he said, whoever touches these things have to be holy, Holy likes holy, right? He said, verse 30, anoint Aaron and his sons to serve as priests. Say, the anointing helps me serve. Right? You're getting things already out of the anointing, aren't you? He said, the sacred anointing oil is kept throughout generations. That means it goes on and on. It's not something that's going to go away soon. It's going to be here until we don't need it any longer when we'll be out of here. Say so the anointing is here to stay until we finish our jobs. Okay? And uh, he said, don't make any, don't, don't try to duplicate it and you can't apply it on a layman. All right? So we need to consider the anointing of God as precious and valuable. I mean, these ingredients weren't cheap, right? The kings who came from the east to worship Jesus when he was a young child brought frankincense, gold, and myrrh. Very expensive, very costly. The anointing has a cost to it. It's not cheap. It's free to us, but it's not something that's cheap. It cost someone something. Okay? We need to respect and honor the anointing. All right? It's priceless and precious to the Lord, so it should be to us too. People who don't use their anointing, you know, there are individual anointings, there are corporate anointings, right? There are anointings for offices. People who don't use their anointing don't respect the anointing. If we're not using the anointing that God's given us, then what are we using? You know, if I, if I take my car to a mechanic, I want him to use the right wrench. How many know when you try to use the wrong tool to do the job, it doesn't get done, doesn't it? You've got to have the right tools. The anointing is a tool of God. All right? Uh, hallelujah. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to see something here. God was about to replace King Saul, and uh, he told the prophet Samuel to go to Bethlehem. And Samuel's job was to anoint the next king. Okay, so 1 Samuel chapter 16, and uh, let's look at uh, verse 13. Here he encounters David. David was chosen by God 
to be the next king of Israel after Saul. And it said, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Okay. So whom God calls, he anoints. And guess what? God has called every one of you. Say, God has called me. And God has anointed me. He has set you apart for what he's called you to do. He has set you apart for your assignment. It doesn't matter what age you are. God has an assignment for you. God has a calling for you. God has a purpose for you. He's not done with you yet. Say, God's not done with me. Well, I don't feel called. Didn't ask you if you felt like it. You are called. First of all, God calls you to himself. God called you out of darkness. And God calls you to do something for his kingdom. Okay? So, whom God calls, he anoints. What God designates for his purpose, it's holy and sacred, he anoints. Say, I'm holy. Didn't Peter write, say, be holy for I'm holy? God wants us to be holy. How can we be holy? Because he gives us the ability to be holy. He gives us his faith. He gives us his word. He gives us his strength and power. There's nothing that you can't do that God said you can do. If God said you can do it, you can do it. If God said it, you can do it. All you got to do to do it is, I don't know if that makes English sense, but that's okay, is you have to believe it. You have to believe it's true. And all, and all you have, the only thing that you need to do to what God said to you is say yes and start doing it. Amen? Hallelujah. Those whom God calls and the tools they use to fulfill their call are anointed. An anointing, it consecrates, it sets apart for a purpose uh, or an office, and it's oftentimes symbolized by oil. See, when Samuel had that container, in his case it was a horn that God told him to fill with oil. It was the same kind of oil that Moses had outlined to make. It was a special oil. It was a holy oil. It was a sacred oil. And David was about to become king, right? Not at this moment, but he was about to be anointed and equipped to be king. Now, what happened after he was anointed? What does the Bible say after he was anointed? Once he was anointed, the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day. In that moment, when God anoints you, the Holy Spirit comes with his strength, his power, and his wisdom to enable you to do what God's called you to do. In other words, what God has for you to do, you're not to do on your own. He, he doesn't want you to rely on your own skill or your own wisdom. He wants you to rely on him. Amen? So the anointing is the work and the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
When you're talking about the anointing, you're also talking about the Holy Spirit. It is something that he does. He activates. He initiates. It is something that um, he partners with. Amen. The anoint, he, David was anointed. Then the Spirit of God came on him. Hallelujah. They work in conjunction with each other. You know, wouldn't it be odd to have an engine but not a transmission? Well, I got this engine, man. This engine is cool, but I don't have any transmission. You can't go anywhere. You can just make a lot of noise. Right? You need both. You need the Holy Spirit and you need the anointing. What makes a difference in in a song? Someone could have a very skillful voice and they could hit all the notes, but the song could be dry. But someone with the anointing, there's a difference. Someone can preach a message and be like... But someone with the anointing, it activates you. Did you hear about the pastor that went to heaven? And the angel was taking him to to show him his mansion. And along the way, he was seeing all these other nice mansions. And the angel was telling him who lives there. And the mansion next to the pastor's was much bigger. It was much more elaborate. And he says, who lives there? And the angel said, it's a cab driver. And the pastor said, how come the cab driver has a bigger house than I do? And the angel said, well, when you were preaching, people slept. But when he was driving his cab, people prayed. (laughs) (laughs) Anointing a king is the spiritual equivalent of a coronation. You know, we just had we just witnessed the coronation not too long ago. Uh, Elizabeth's son. He 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 was anointed king, right? After, and but the, he was coron, uh, he was coronated, right? That's the official recognition that this person is in a position in the ministry. We call it ordination. We do ordination for ministers. And, uh, you know, the anointing, it refreshes you and it invigorates you. It's, it's God imparting his strength and power to you. How many want God's strength and power? Well, he anoints you. And you know what? If you've been anointed, you can be anointed again. You know, the the psalmist talks about a fresh anointing. You know, sometimes you may be in a different season in life and you're called to do something new. You know, God's a creator. God's not stale. If, If what you've been doing hasn't been working or hasn't been producing the results, maybe you need a fresh anointing. Maybe you need a fresh perspective. Amen? Well, how do I get that? You go to God, you say, God, what's changing? What what needs to change in me? And you just make that adjustment. And with every adjustment that you make for a new season, God gives you a fresh anointing. Hallelujah. All right. God's anointing enables you, empowers you, and equips you to serve. Everybody say to serve. Did you know that mothers can be anointed to be mothers? Some... 
there's a lot of women that can be a mother, right? But some are anointed. Makes a difference. Say the anointing is a difference maker. It makes a difference in your life. It makes a difference in your future. It makes a difference in your ministry. It makes a difference in your service. But you're anointed to serve, to carry out an assignment for a position. Okay? It's God's spiritual equipment. You know, football players that don't wear pads, that's called rugby. Right? But the tools of a football player are a helmet, shoulder pads, knee pads, uh, thigh pads, waist pads, right? Hallelujah. All right, go to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Say, I'm anointed. Say, the anointing makes a difference. If there's one thing that you need to hear today, know that the anointing makes a difference. Jeremiah chapter 1. And let's look at verse 5. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, and it said, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Say, God knows me. Whom God knows, he anoints. What does it mean to know God? It means to have a relationship with God. God wants a relationship with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to hang out with you. He wants to be with you. Why? He loves you. He created you. How did God know Jeremiah before he, he was in the belly? Because God's the creator. You did not come from the goo to the zoo to you. God created you in his image and in his likeness. So before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you or I consecrated you. In other words, before you were born, God had a purpose for you. And whether or not you're doing what God wants you to do, you got you to gotta go to him. You got to find out. But God's purpose for you has always been. It's not something that he just thought of when you popped out. It's like, oh, there, there they are now. I better come up with a purpose. No, God had a purpose before you were born. You were born with God's DNA in you, his divine purpose, his assignment in you. You were born with that. I, I consecrated you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. What was Jeremiah called to do? He was called to be a prophet for the nations. So God anointed him to be a prophet. What do prophets do? They prophesy. Everybody say prophesy. What does it mean to prophesy? To speak under the inspiration of God. That's the simplest way. Okay? Now, um, notice this. And, uh, He told them, go down to verse 9. You know, Jeremiah was concerned about him being a child and not being able to speak. Say, God can use children. Guess what? We are all children of God. You know, God doesn't have any adults. He always has children. Amen? The end of verse 9, well, no, let's, let's read the whole verse. 
Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. What do you think happened when God touched his mouth? Something happened to his mouth. He was, something was imparted to him. Something was given to him. Something was deposited in him. How many say just one touch from God? When God touches you, it makes a difference. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. God made a deposit into Jeremiah with the anointing. He put his words in him, his ability, his power, his authority to speak. Right? Notice verse 10. This is what the anointing did in Jeremiah's life. Okay? I have this day set you over the nations. So he was for the nations, plural, and over the kingdoms. Those are the spiritual things, right? Nations, natural, kingdoms, spiritual. To root out and to pull down. The anointing operated in Jeremiah to root out and to pull down. And when he spoke, those things happened. Why? Because that's how the anointing functioned in him. Okay? Secondly, to destroy and to throw down. Or, let's see, uh, to destroy and to throw down. He was, Jeremiah had this ability. You know, God told Jeremiah, he said, I want you to speak, but the people aren't going to listen to you, but I want you to go anyway. How would you like to speak to an audience that don't want to listen to you? That'd be frustrating. But God needed him to proclaim what God was saying to him, okay? Then the third thing that the anointing did in Jeremiah, see, your anointing is not going to do for you what it did for Jeremiah because you're, you're not Jeremiah. God anoints you for you. Your anointing is tailor-made. It fits only you. It is specifically made, specifically designed just for you. And your anointing is different than my anointing. My anointing is different than your anointing. My anointing is to teach and to explain and to help people find their treasure and inheritance in God's word. That's my anointing. So how does the anointing work in my life? I point people to the word for what they need in their life. There's an answer. God has an answer for everything you face in life in his word. And my job is to point you to that so it can help you with whatever you're facing in life. And then the third thing, to build and to plant. Everybody say to build and to plant. So the anointing on Jeremiah, it set him apart. Okay? It enabled him to do those three things in verse 10. It gave him the divine ability, the divine power to produce those results. Okay? Because every call is specific to the individual. A lot of people are called to be pastor, but they're going to pastor differently. Why? Because it's, it's, it's tailor-made to them. Amen? So this is Jeremiah. He was anointed. He was set apart to do those things. Now, God has anointed us to rule. Say, I'm anointed to rule. You need to rule over sickness. You need to rule over disease. We need to rule over lack. 
and poverty. Every history, every king in the Israel's history was anointed before they got into the position. Everyone, say everyone. There wasn't a king in Israel who wasn't anointed. Now, whether or not they did what they needed to do for the anointing, some of them were wicked. Some of them despised the anointing. Even though they were anointed, I'm going to tell you today how the anointing can be lost if we don't value it. Because it can be lost. And I'm going to show you that clearly from Scripture. All right? So, go to 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. 1 Samuel 10, verse 1. Are you excited this morning? God wants us to know that we're anointed, and he wants to understand that. He wants us to understand that. First Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. This is when Saul was anointed king. Then Saul, Samuel took a vial of oil, poured it upon the head, and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you to be captain over his inheritance? Woo! Inheritance gets me, gets me really excited. The Amplified says the, the anointing, the Lord has anointed you to rule over his inheritance. Okay? Guess what? We are kings and priests. Say, I'm a king and I'm a priest. Go to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. If anything, you'll, you'll learn where scriptures are today. No, you guys are sharp. All right. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. And from Jesus Christ. Stop for just a minute there. What does the word Christ mean? It means the anointed. So everywhere that Christ is mentioned, the anointing is mentioned. Everything associated with Christ is associated with the anointing. Because he is the, the anointed. Amen? And the anointed shares his anointing with you. Every one of us. There's enough anointing to go around and there won't even put a dent in the supply. There's more than enough anointing, okay? And from Jesus Christ, he is the head of the church. This is the head of the church talking. This is the king of... He's king of who? King of who? Who are the kings he's king of? We are the kings. Say, I'm the kings. Who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, verse 6, and has made us. Everybody say, has made. Not going to. Has made. What did he make us? Kings and priests unto God and his Father. Hallelujah. I'm a king and a priest unto God the Father. Amen. Say, I'm a king and a priest. That means as a king and a priest of God, we are anointed. 
Because every priest was anointed. Every king was anointed. And if we're kings and priests, then we must be anointed. Hallelujah. All right, go to chapter 5. Chapter 5. Oh, glory to God. It's about to get exciting in here. You got your seat belts? Uh, you don't need to use them. <laughs> we're not here to restrain you. We're here to set you free. Glory to God. All right, Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Mm. And they sang a new song. Wow, they're still singing new songs in heaven. Think about that. Saying, you are worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for you were slain and has redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. Say, I've been redeemed. Glory to God. And has made us, there's that phrase again, has made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall what? Reign where? On the earth. Say, I'm a king, I'm a priest, and I need to reign. You need to exercise your authority. We have authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt us. Not only do we have power, but we have authority. How many has ever seen a police officer stop traffic? Do they have the physical strength to stop that traffic? But what do they have? They have a badge. They have a uniform and they have authority because something is backing them up. And when they put their hand out there, that car is going to stop, not because he has the physical strength to stop it, but because the authority that he walks in. We have authority. We're kings and priests. You got to get this, guys. This is our moment. We are kings and priests. The world doesn't tell us what to do. We tell the world what to do. The devil can't force us to do anything. We tell him to go. We tell him to shut up. We tell him to leave in the name of Jesus. We have the authority. Why? We are anointed kings and priests unto God. That's exciting to me. I guess if you, if you know that you're a king and priest, there's no room for low self-esteem. Oh, you didn't get that. If you, you, you got to see yourself as a king and a priest. When you start seeing yourself and start believing that you are, you'll start acting like it. You'll start talking like it. You'll start living like it. It will affect your entire life. Is this written in scripture? Is scripture forever settled? Can scripture lie? Then this is the absolute truth. Who's saying this? This is God saying this to us. He's saying, I made you a king and a priest. Well, I didn't think I was that great. Yeah, but I think you're great. You're great to me. I died for you. I paid the most expensive price for you. That's how much I value you. Now, let's value this anointing of being a king and a priest. All right? It goes back to the blessing in Genesis 1.8. First thing that man heard after he was created was the blessing. You are blessed to have dominion. What's dominion? To rule and reign. To subdue the earth. To fill the earth. Right? To have dominion over the fish and the birds in the air. 
We don't bow to the earth. The earth bows to us. And I'm not talking just us. I'm talking about our authority that God has given us. Amen. How do we get anointed? You accept Christ as Savior. Well, gee, that sounds easy. Yeah, exactly. How do you get anointed? You accept Christ. Everybody say, accept Christ. Does that sound hard? No. The moment that you accept Christ, the anointing comes. Why? Christ is the anointed. And if you accept him, then you're accepting the anointing. Amen? When you accept the anointed one, you're anointed. By accepting Jesus as Lord, you are accepting the king of kings. Jesus is the ultimate king. There's no king higher than him. We are kings under him. I'm an under-shepherd, but Jesus is the great shepherd. Right? There's rank. Right? Jesus is on the top. But we're, he, this is what he made us. You are anointed king and priest. Start living that now. Let's start living like it. Turn to your neighbor and say, start, start living like a king and a priest. <laughs> My goodness. If a king wants to have a party, does he put on his overhauls and say, oh, we're going to have a party? No, he sits on his throne and he says, he says, he says, I want to have a party. You do this, you do that, you do this, let's go. The king's still sitting there. Why? But see, he's exercising his authority by what he speaks. We've got to exercise our authority by what we speak. Okay? Why? We are anointed to have that authority. That's how the anointing that God has anointed us to be kings and priests to function. Say into this mountain. Everybody say, say, say. to the mountain. Well, that sounds strange, but Jesus did it. If Jesus did it, we can do it. Jesus spoke to a tree. That's strange. So can we. Jesus spoke to storms. That's strange. So can we. Jesus spoke to fevers. Everything that Jesus spoke to responded to him. What do you think is going to happen when you speak to it? It's going to respond to you. The only thing is, the only qualification is you've got to believe it. So how, how do you get to believe that, how, how do you get to the point that you believe what you say? You start only saying what you want to have. You eliminate negative things from your, your speech. Negative, pah, poo, pooey. Right? <laughs> We need to start ruling over things. What do we need to rule over? We need to rule over problems. Start making God bigger than your problem instead of making your problem bigger than God. It's a simple shift. But kings make their solutions bigger than their problems. Amen? This is what we got to rule over. All right? We got to rule over sickness. Jesus came to heal all of our diseases. Amen? He wants us to walk in health, all right? So part of walking in health is talking health, okay? He wants us to rule over the devil. Come on. 
The devil has been defeated. I mean, Jesus knocked him out. We didn't have to knock him out, but he's knocked out. If he, if, <laughs> if he wants to mess with you, send him to the pigs. <laughs> I just had a funny thought. The devil became a pork chop. <laughs> he became bacon. Talk to storms, talk to fevers. Let's, let's exercise our authority over weakness. Let the weak say I'm. Once again, let the weak say I'm. So if we're feeling weak, why are we saying that we're weak? Why aren't we doing what the Bible says and say we're strong? Well, I don't feel it. It has nothing to do with what you feel. It has something to do with what he said. You got to let what he said override how you feel. What he said becomes more important than what you feel or what the opinion of someone else is. The opinions of others are not forever settled, but the opinion of God is. God doesn't have to change his mind. God never misspeaks. God meant what he said and he said what he meant. He puts it in the order of, way, of how he wants it. You know, there's things, have you read the scriptures? There are things that are in order. Right? But when we take it out of God's order, it gets messed up. Keep it in God's order. (laughs) The Apostle Paul, God told him, he is my anointed vessel for the Gentiles, kings, and the Jews. Who did Paul go to first? The Jews. He reversed the order. Who gave him the most problems? The Jews. If he had just listened to God and went to the Gentiles... Instead, see, he had a great passion for the Jews. Paul was a Jew, right? He wanted to see the Jews saved. He said, if I could be accursed and my brothers get saved, that was his heart. But he put it out of order. And it wasn't a traveling hit squad of Gentiles that were after Paul. It was a traveling hit squad of Jews. But Paul, finally, Paul said, I'm going to the Gentiles. Hello? You should have did that in the first place. All right. Say, I'm anointed. Hallelujah. We need to rule over inferiority. You know, sometimes you need to give yourself a self-talk. Why cast down, oh my soul, put your hope in God? What's the psalmist doing? He's talking to himself. He's talking to his soul. See, because if you're going to feel inferiority, it's going to be in your soulish realm. It's going to be what you've heard, what you've experienced, how they hurt me. Stop focusing on that. Give yourself a pep talk. Why are you, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. Okay. Did you know that you can talk to your soul? Read the Psalms. They're talking to their soul all the time. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me. Your soul has some, some things that needs to get straightened out sometimes. Amen? Go to Psalms 18. My goodness. Hallelujah. Can we turn the clocks back again? (laughs) Right now? (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, Joshua stopped the sun. Psalms 18. Look at verse 50. Now this, be careful, this might cause shouting. We're kings and priests, right? Okay. 
Great deliverance gives he to his king. And shows mercy to his anointed, to David, and to his seed forever. What kind of deliverance does God have for his kings? A great deliverance! And mercy! Hallelujah! Why? Because you're his king! He wants his king to overcome. He wants his kings to succeed. He wants his kings to prosper. He wants his kings to be victorious. The Amplified says he gives great triumph to his king. How many want a great triumph? Guess what? Triumph is a gift of God. He has given it to you. Hallelujah. Go to Psalm 23. I'm sure that in your life you've heard this psalm read. Is there anyone that's never heard Psalm 23 at one, at all? Right? Look at Psalm 23 and verse 5. You will prepare a table before me. Where? In the presence of my enemies. God, God wants you to pay more attention to what's on the table than your enemy. Don't, just tell your enemy, don't bother me now, I'm eating. Don't mess with my food. He prepares, a, why would he prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies? Why? Your enemies are already defeated. Just enjoy the food. Enjoy the living water. Enjoy the bread. Enjoy the honey. Enjoy the milk. Enjoy the meat, which is to do his will. There's lots of good things on that table. Back years ago, I preached in Gettysburg. It was around 4th of July. I talked about what's on God's picnic table. Amen. Hallelujah. All right? Okay? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. When you are anointed, your cup will start to run over. You will not be able to contain what God wants to give you, what God wants you to have. Once you're anointed, that anointing causes overflow. You anoint my head. And as a result of the anointing that's on my head, my cup runs over. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Go to Psalm 92. Psalm 92. Woo! God's about to do something in here today. Psalm 92, verse 10. Mm. My horn... Shall be you shall exalt like the horn of the unicorn. Now, he's not talking about the mystical horse. He's talking about an animal like a rhinoceros, because horn means strength. Okay. My horn or my strength shall you exalt like the horn of a great unicorn or a wild ox. I shall be what? Anointed with fresh oil. Could you use an oil change today? You walked in here today, you're about due for an oil change. You need some fresh oil today. It's a good thing that I'm an oil distributor. Amen? I'm, I'm in the oil business. It's not about the oil, but it's about the, what the oil represents. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. The oil, it doesn't really matter about the oil, but it's, it's the Holy Spirit. Amen? Oh, Hallelujah. 
Go to Psalm 132. I'm anointed. Say, I'm anointed. Psalm 132. And look at verse 11. The Lord has sworn in truth unto David, and he will not turn from it. Of the fruit of your body will I set upon your throne. Who's he talking about here? He's talking about Jesus. Jesus was a descendant of David. And God knew that David was a man after his own heart. And God anointed David to be king. And David was known as the standard of the righteous kings. He made mistakes. Yes, he did. He, he committed sin. Yes, he did. But he was quick to repent. And he was quick to forgive. Say, I'm quick to repent. And I'm quick to forgive. If you hold those two qualities, you will keep that anointing in your life. And even when you make a mistake, those two qualities will help you overcome. And uh, so he's talking about Jesus here. Verse 12, if your children will keep my covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them, their children shall also, shall also sit upon your throne. And everyone who sits upon the throne, what are they? They're anointed. You can't sit on the throne in God's kingdom without being anointed. There's no such thing as an unanointed person inhabiting a throne that God set up. It doesn't exist. For the Lord has chosen Zion. Zion is a type of the church. Hallelujah. He's chosen you and he has desired it for his habitation. God loves to hang out. He loves to inhabit. He loves to dwell in the church. He is the head of the church. It's hard for the body to go anywhere without the head, isn't it? We need the head, amen? He likes dwelling in the church. Hallelujah. Verse 15, or verse 14. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. Y'all need some joy? Shout for it. Oh, I just want the Lord to give me joy. No, sometimes you got to shout for it. (laughs) There... Will I make the horn of David to bud? When a plant buds, it blossoms, it's getting ready for increase. I have ordained a lamp for my anointed. Hallelujah. His enemies will I clothe with shame. Your enemies will not shame you, they will be shamed. But upon himself shall his crown flourish. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. (laughs) My goodness. The anointing makes a difference. If I wasn't anointed, I wouldn't be up here today. 
<laughs> I, can't, I wouldn't be able to pastor without the anointing. I need the anointing. You know what? You can have an anointing for marriage. Who created marriage? Did the world create marriage? No, they want to recreate something that God created. They want to taint something that God set up. And we're just sitting idly by letting the world define what marriage is. They have no right to define what it is. They didn't create it. They didn't come up with it. And if they didn't create it, they didn't come up with it. They have no business defining it. Marriage is between a man and a woman, period. And there's only two choices. You're either a man or a woman. You're nothing else. It's, it's very easy. You're a man or you're a woman. But you want an anointed marriage? Bring Christ in your marriage. You want an anointed family? Bring Christ in your family. How do you do that? Talk about him. Sing about him. Discuss about him. Think about him. Live like him. Everybody say live. Oh, it's easy to live when, you're, when we're sitting in the chairs of the church. But it's a little bit harder to live it when you're not in these chairs. Right? All kinds of different things come at you. The enemy tries to bombard you. But we got a rule, amen? You are a king and a priest. You're not just a king and a priest in, in here. I'm just a king. This is not just a king and a priest zone here. You are, wherever you go, a king and a priest. So how you live out there matters what happens in here. We got to start living like God. Church has lost that for all. They just want to go to church, be entertained. You know, the fastest growing churches in our area are churches that have one hour services. They do everything from beginning and end, one hour. Okay, I did my duty. I'm done now. I got all this free time. But yet people don't complain that a movie's two hours. Come on. I don't complain that a baseball game took more than two hours. I don't see people leaving the ball, but man, that just took too long. I don't know if I want to spend this money. To, to, it's, it's too long of a time. No, you do it because you enjoy it. Guess what? We need to enjoy Jesus. Jesus is practical for your home. If you're not living like Jesus in your home, you need to change right now, today. You need to do, in other words, what does it mean? You need to be reading your Bible every day. You need to be worshiping in, in some way, fashion, form every day. You need to be spending time with God every day. And you need to practice what his principles wrote, right? This is practical living right here. I don't know why I got on this. Someone needed to hear that. Hear me today, please. First John 2.20. But you have an unction from the Holy One. Say, from the Holy One. And you know all things. Does that mean you physically know all things? I'm I'm a walking encyclopedia. No, but you have the one who does know all things. You have an unction. You have an unction to function. You have an ability. You have a charisma. That word unction is charisma. I got some charisma. I got a gift from God. 
Hallelujah. It means, that word, you have an unction, it means an anointing with oil. It refers to the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit, the guiding and receptive believer into the fullness of God's preferred will. It means the anointing that functions through faith. Hallelujah. I have an unction. A.K.A. anointing. Notice it's not saying I'm going to get it. I already have it. Let's start using it. Let's start walking in it. Let's start speaking like we're anointed. The anointing are victorious, not defeated. The anointed are overcomers. They're not overcome. The anointed are strong. They're not weak. Are you, are you hearing me today? Hallelujah. See, I have an unction. Where did it come from? From the Holy One. Who's the Holy One? That's Jesus. Father God. Amen? I have an anointing. I have an unction to function. Hallelujah. It's working in me. You know, there's something that's always at work in you. Something is working in every believer. Ephesians talks about, you know, Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Something was working in Paul to be able to, for him to do what God called him to do. Say, there's something working in me. Actually, let's change that. There's someone working in me. Because he's not a thing. The Holy Ghost is not cousin it. I don't know whoever, whatever cousin it was. I don't know, he was just walking. If you ever saw the original Adams family on TV, he was like this big blob of hair. You know, he'd shuffle around like this, cousin it. No. We have him. Amen? Okay. So, look at, look at verse 22. I mean 21. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. See, the anointing is in association with the truth. The spirit of truth is the same spirit that anoints you. And so he anoints you in conjunction with the truth. You have an ability to function in the truth. You have an ability to do what the truth says to do. Okay? Verse 22, who is a liar but he that denies that Jesus is the Christ. If one denies, the, if you deny the Christ, you're denying the anointing. Satan denied the anointing. Therefore, he lost his anointing. Did you know that according to Ezekiel 28, Satan was an anointed cherub, but now he's a devil. He's a destroyer. He's the father of lies. These are all scriptures that describe Satan. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the great dragon. He was an angel. But how did he become those other things? Because he lost his anointing. How did he lose his anointing? He disobeyed God. He went against God. I'm getting ahead of myself here. All right. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Well, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Before you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 27 of 1 John 2. But the anointing which you have received, past tense, of him abides in you. 
And you need not that any man teach you, but the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth. So the anointing is Holy Spirit and is no lie. And even as it is, as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. Okay. Just because you have an anointing doesn't mean you don't need a teacher. But anointing receives anointing. So when anointed people come into an anointed atmosphere and hear an anointed message, the impact is greater than if any one of those three are not anointed. (laughs) Are you hearing me? Okay, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 now. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Oh my goodness. Hallelujah. Look at verse 14. Now, thanks be unto God that sometimes causes us to triumph. It doesn't say sometimes. Everybody say always. You want to hear the deep spiritual meaning of always? It means always. How often does God want you to triumph? Always. Every day? Every week? Every month? Every year? Always. Always means always. He, he causes us to triumph where? In whom? In, in the anointing. In Christ, who is the anointed one. We always triumph in Christ. Okay? And makes manifest, or he makes known the savor or the fragrance of his knowledge by what creates fragrance? The anointing oil creates fragrance. When you walk into a room, you smell like Jesus. You look like Jesus. You talk like Jesus. You walk like Jesus. You act like Jesus. Hallelujah. And then you can let things happen there that Jesus does. The fragrance of his knowledge by us in every place. Where you go, the anointing goes. Verse 15. For we are unto God a sweet fragrance. Oh, hallelujah. Say, I smell good. Jesus smells good and you smell good. Why? He is on you. Hallelujah. Doesn't the Bible say for us to put on Christ? Put on the anointing? How you, have, did you come in wearing your anointing today? Hallelujah. He gives you a robe of righteousness. He gives you a garment of praise. Amen. Why not an anointed garment? You, you can put on Christ. That means live like him, talk like him, think like him, speak like him. Hallelujah. We are unto God a sweet aroma, fragrance of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To one, we are the savior of death. When a believer walks into a non-believer, a non-believer wants to shun that. Why? Because a non-believer doesn't want to be around a believer. They're like oil and water. Right? So, When you walk in with the fragrance of Christ into an atmosphere of unbelief, the unbelief is going to come against you. Just like it did when Christ walked into Jairus' house and there were the mourners there. 
right? They were mourning over Jairus' 12-year-old daughter who had just died. They were mourning, carrying on. They were yelling. They were screaming. They were weeping. And then Christ walked into the atmosphere. The anointed one walked into the atmosphere and said, the girl's not dead. And then all of a sudden, their weeping and their yelling turned into laughter and mocking. They came against the anointed one. Right? So what did the anointing do? It put him out. Why? The anointing is greater than he was in the world. The anointing is stronger. The anointing is smarter. Hallelujah. Than the world. The same anointing that you have. To the one we're a savior of death. But when you walk into an atmosphere of faith, they celebrate the anointing. When Christ walks into a place and there's faith, there's celebration, there's joy, there's miracles. Hallelujah. Amen? It's true. Why? Because the anointing carries a fragrance. To some are repelled by it, others receive it. Don't be one that is repelled by the anointing. And to the other one, we're life. Who is sufficient? Verse 17. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. We speak, speak we in Christ. In other words, the anointing has a language. What language does the anointing speak? The word. The anointing speaks the word. Why? Because the word works with the anointing. And the anointing works with the word. The anointing doesn't work with feelings. Unless it wants to change what you feel. So if you're speaking out of feelings, the anointing is not going to cooperate with you. If you're speaking out of experience, the anointing doesn't cooperate with you. Unless your experience is that of of the word. Okay? Do you understand that? You can't be talking problems and have the anointing work at the same time. Amen? It just doesn't work that way. Go to 1 Corinthians 1. Oh, my goodness. 1 Corinthians 1. I'm almost done. Verse 21. 1 Corinthians 1, 21. For after that, the wisdom of God, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ, the anointed one, crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. And uh, so he is, God establishes us and confirms us. Um, he's chosen the foolish things that confound the wise, and uh, he has anointed us. Hallelujah. Say, God anointed me. I don't know if I got the right uh, passage there, but he anoints us. Amen? So, see, Jesus was anointed. Isaiah 61 describes what he was anointed to. Luke 4, Luke 4 says, I, the, uh, I am anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. 
to bind up the brokenhearted, to uh, set at liberty them that have been bruised and set the captives free. That's what his anointing did, right? And, and we know that Acts 10.38 said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good. He anointed him with the, of the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all. The anointing is for good. It's not for bad. Okay, finally, let me just wrap this up here. Um, Satan lost his anointing. Adam lost his anointing. And King Saul lost his anointing. You can read about it in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And uh, he had several things that he disobeyed God in. And uh, when, you don't dis- when you despise God, that means you despise his word. That means you disqualify yourself from the anointing. Okay? Let me just read ver- uh, verse 11, 1 Samuel 15, verse 11. You can pull it up there. 1 Samuel 15, 11. This is God talking to Samuel. I regret that I made Saul king, for he has turned away from following me. You know, when you stop following Christ, you stop yielding to the anointing. And has, and has not carried out my commands. Verse 19. He did not obey the voice of the Lord. Samuel asked him, why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? And you swooped down on the plunder. And you did evil in the sight of the Lord. All these things disqualify you from the anointing. Only you can disqualify yourself from the anointing through sin. All right? And uh, verse 23 Samuel said, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft or divination. Witchcraft is rebellion, and rebellion is witchcraft. Witchcraft is also casting spells, making potions, and I don't care if Disney puts a witch in a costume on a cartoon, it's still wrong. A witch in any form, oh, she's just a good witch, he's just a good witch, no. No witch is good, okay? Witchcraft, sorcery, all the Bible speaks against. No time to go there. Rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. Disobedience is as idolatry or false religion. When you disobey God, it's like you're setting up an idol. Why? You're making, some, you're, you're making something else more important than God's command. That's an idol. And... Uh, Verse, uh, the end of verse 20, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you as being king. Everybody say rejected. Yes. Who rejected who first? Saul rejected God first. And then God had no choice but to reject Saul from being king. That means he rejected him from anointing. What, what came to Saul after he rejected God? An evil spirit. That tormented him. So when he lost the anointing, he made himself open to an evil spirit to come in and to torment him. And guess what? He could only find relief from someone who was anointed. 
David, who was anointed, after he was anointed, the Spirit of God came on him. He killed Goliath. He became Saul's armor bearer. He became Saul's musician. And he ended up becoming king for what he was anointed for. Now, he didn't officially become king the next day, but he was anointed to be king, so he did things like a king does. He came against a tormenting spirit that tormented the king. Saul still had the position of king, but he had no anointing from God to do it. And when you lose the anointing, the anointing can be lost if you don't value it, if you don't honor it, if you don't appreciate it, if you don't respect it, or if you don't use it, right? What happened to the, the man who had one talent and did nothing with it? What, was the, what, what happened to the one talent? It, it was taken away from him, right? And it was given to someone who did something with it. All right? So, but thank God, say, I'm anointed. Amen? So, in order to keep the anointing strong in your life, you need to cooperate with the Word of God. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit. You need to do what God says. And he says the anointing will come upon you. Right? You know, just to give you a visual. Right? Let's just say that this is the anointing. Right? I have oil too. Let me just take some of this oil. And put it on my handkerchief. Right? See, in the Old Testament, they needed a visual illustration. In the New Testament, we don't need that because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. So, God would anoint people. Right? And the anointing would come upon them. And it was for a purpose. It was for a function. It was for an assignment, and that anointing would give them the power to do what God was calling them to do. Hallelujah. And the anointing, like, you know, it can be freshened. Because the anointing is meant to invigorate you, to refresh you. Hallelujah. You need some fresh anointing. Right? You need a fresh anointing. Hallelujah. Strength and power from God. He comes on you. It can do the impossible. With the anointing, nothing is impossible to you. Nothing is too small for God. Nothing is too big for God. He can handle it. He can do it. Hallelujah. He can bring it to pass. Because there's no one like our God. Amen. And a fresh anointing comes upon you to do that, right? And the anointing can come upon you to heal, right? James 5, they anoint with oil and they pray over them for healing and they arise, right? Hallelujah. And see, the anointing, God wants to anoint you today. Hallelujah. I'm just going to put it right here because it will touch both of you. See, he he anoints you. And that anointing will positively affect you. It'll propel you forward. It'll cause you to do things that you didn't think you could do because of the anointing. Hallelujah. You know, the anointing took an average ordinary person named Samson 
And the Bible says that the Spirit of God would come upon him and he would do great feats of strength. Right? He carried the gates of a city. You're talking about two huge concrete or cement posts with iron gate in between and he just puts it on his shoulders like it was nothing. Why? Because that's the, I mean, he tied a hundred foxes their tails together. You think the foxes let him do that? You don't think that they were trying to bite or scratch? Oh, just tie my tail. No, a fox is going to go crazy if you're trying to tie its tail to another fox. But that was the anointing of God that came on him to do that. thing. The, the hand of God came upon Ezekiel and dropped him off into a, a field of dry bones. And he didn't know what was happening. But God began to speak. And he said, prophesy to those bones. Can those bones live? Oh, yes, they can. You know, Lord. Then speak to those bones. Who here today needs a fresh anointing in your life? You need a fresh touch because you are anointed. But you know what? Sometimes that freshness just has to stir up some things. Amen. You need to be stirred up today. You need to be invigorated today. You need to be inspired today. You need to be touched from that. Just one touch from the master can make the difference in your life. It can make the difference in your body. Amen? How many touches did the woman with the issue of blood have to tap into the anointing? One touch, right? Did, did, she didn't even touch the person, she touched the clothes that the person was wearing. Oh my goodness. See, when you're anointed, it affects your clothes. It gets in your shoes. Hallelujah. It's in your hands. It's in your feet. It's on your head. It's all over you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The anointing gets all over you. See, because the word anoint means to, to smear and to lather. Hallelujah. It means to rub everywhere. We're gonna, God's gonna put some rub on you. Hallelujah. But the anointing makes the difference in your health, in your wealth, in your life, in your future, in your family. It makes a difference in every area of life. And if you need a fresh anointing today, I just want you to come up here right now. And you're going to receive because Christ is the giver of anointing. Amen. I'm not the giver, I'm just a distribution channel. Hallelujah. And oftentimes, see, that's why God instituted the laying on of hands. He needed a point of contact and a point of transference. You know, if you want your light to light up, it's got to be plugged in or it's got to have a battery. Right? Unplugged. Electric appliances that aren't connected to a power source, they don't work. But God works, amen? And if you could just uh, play a song, hallelujah, thank you, Lord Jesus. I want you guys to pray right now. If you can pray in the Holy Spirit, pray in the Holy Spirit. Just close your eyes, and I want you to see Jesus coming and touching you, and I want you to receive, right? Right now, everyone up here, you're in a position of receiving, you don't have to do anything. God's already qualified you. God's already called you. He does the heavy lifting. All you have-